Now they're making of scaling up here on ThinkTech. I'm Jay Fidel's five o'clock block. And guess what? We have Kimberly Bassford on. Hi, Kimberly. Kimberly is a filmmaker, right? Yes. Hi, Jay. Thanks for having me today. Absolutely. Uh, we were working with you on scaling up uh, Hawaii's food future, which just got finished and which is uh, which is a film festival, H-I-F-F, HIF. I guess it's HIF, right? Um, it was selected for HIF and it's going to play in May uh, on PBS Hawaii. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Don't you think so? I think so. I remember us having a conversation last March and now we've got a finished film and it's going to be, you know, having its premiere at the film festival and at PBS Hawaii. So it's really great. Actually, this is a pretty quick turnaround for documentary films in general. Some of my Never. other projects have taken four to six years. So one year is <laughs> wow. pretty, pretty good. <laughs> And we're not done either. You got a, you got a note from the German uh, film festival and they wanted you to submit it. And uh, that was something. And so we submitted it to a German film festival. Are you ready to go to Germany? Oh, I think it might be an online festival, but I would love to go to Germany. So yes, let's get it into some German film festivals. <laughs> That's the if anyone's out there from Germany, like to invite us. <laughs> yeah, well, they're probably all watching now, Kim. So, uh, you know, why do you think that the uh, the German Film Festival wrote to you about it? I mean, it was maybe it was just they caught it, but they said they caught it. They said they watched it. They said they liked it. They said they wanted you to submit it to them. Um, there must be a reason. What what about this film would appeal to a German film festival? I'm not exactly sure, but I, I think they saw it in the program um, on the HIF website. And I believe their festival has a theme of um, climate change this year. So I'm not sure if maybe it just piqued their interest because it looked like it was an environmentally related film, a story from Hawaii, you know, the other side of the world. And um, I'm not really sure you'd have to ask their programmer who invited us, but we'll, we'll see yeah, how that, that plays out. Oh, scaling up Hawaii's food future. This is an important topic in the sense that, you know, we have been struggling uh, since the day of the plantation, uh, the day of the end of the plantation, with uh, trying to figure out how to feed uh, Hawaii's people. We haven't done it yet, but there's a lot of talk about it, and a lot of possibility about it. Um, this film, where does this film stand in that public conversation? Well, I think the goal of the film was to um, trigger conversations to hopefully bring the stakeholders together to have these discussions. I mean, it's a it's a 27 minute film, and so it can't have everything there is to be about agriculture, its history, where we are and where we're going. It's really trying to provide sort of an overview and a you know, some some talking points for people to then hopefully have those deeper conversations. Um, but we were looking at agriculture broadly in terms of how to feed, you know, our islands in terms of sustainability issues, but as well as how to just grow the sector to bring in more income so that we don't have to rely so much on tourism. So we're also looking at some of the new agricultural exports that um, some very entrepreneurial folks are are trying to pursue. So I think, you know, I think it is a it's a really good overview, and it's like hopefully people watch it and will have a lot of questions and will want to talk about it, and that we as a community will want to talk about the issues that the film brings up. But in some ways, it might raise more questions than you know in term than than present answers. It's true. It's it's the whole thing about the legs on the stool, you know. 
uh, when I arrived in Hawaii, there were three legs. There was, uh, the, you know, the plantations, there was the military, and there was tourism. And uh, yeah, the military is what it is. The plantations went away, and tourism has, you know, becomes most of the legs on the stool. Um, but we have to get back to technology, which is all the rage 30 years ago and simply hasn't gone where we hoped. Um, and of course, agriculture, which we have lots of assets and resources for. And you covered that. You also covered a number of uh, legislators who, who would like to see it happen, who plan to have it happen. And maybe, just maybe, in there somewhere is a, what do you call it, political will. And the, uh, to me, that's really important about this film and about the next film that we are going to do, right? Uh, which is the new technology, the new ideas, the ones that come and make it easier for local kids to get their hands in the soil and, you know, produce entrepreneurial experiences that actually earn a living. You touched on that in the film. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of the people who talked, talked about that in the film, yeah? Correct, correct. That technology, you know, can hold some keys to, a, you know, a less, I mean, one of the things that we found in the film is that just labor in Hawaii, the, the labor accounts for so much of farmers' expenses, for the expenses of local farms, much more so than in a place like California. So I think technology can help reduce that um, and also, you know, just create more productive yields. Uh, so it is something that we need to explore more of and could help the sector grow. You know, you talked about these uh, boutique crops, uh, such as uh, a chocolate and uh, rum and the like from sugar. Uh, and the combination of the two is really interesting and really creative. And I had this vision, you know, when the food supply and the ships that come to Hawaii with all the food dry up, I will live on chocolate. <laughs> Chocolate, chocolate and rum. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that'll, that'll help, you know, the, the like diabetes and obesity crisis that is also around, but, um, but no, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like that was sort of kind of fun in, in the process was trying to find some of the new agricultural exports and, and chocolate and rum aren't the only ones, you know, there's tea, there's, um, Olena, there's some other crop, breadfruit. Uh, so there's some other crops that people are exploring. But um, yeah, it just so happened we ended up following chocolate and rum. And then there happened to be a, a synergy there because they're the two um, companies that we ended up following. They ended up, they, they worked together in creating, <laughs> creating chocolate, uh, chocolate flavored rum and um, rum flavored chocolate. Well, I think that, you know, that really taught me something. I think it, it will teach everyone who watches the film something they didn't know about chocolate and about uh, rum and about chocolate flavored rum. It's that the, the, the people who are doing this are entrepreneurs in the fullest extent. Uh, they really know how to work. They know how to make a product that nobody's made. They know how to sell that product. Um, and if you apply that same kind of entrepreneurial spirit uh, to other areas of agriculture and aquaculture, uh, we will be able to go a long distance, don't you think? You discovered that in this film. Yes, yes, I very much did. Um, yes, those folks, you know, I, I think the big metaphor in the film is sort of business plans. And I think, um, you know, one of our characters, Jason Brand of Kohana Rum, he said, you know, just as an island, we haven't put our business plans together yet. There's all these people working on agriculture, trying to, you know, um, create new products, trying to grow their farms from small to mid-sized to large. And everyone's just sort of working in silos. And so the idea of, you know, working together and having a coordinated effort, I think is really important. Um, 
so yeah, yeah, that was something. And that also sort of inspired um, the title of the film, Scaling Up, and looking at what are the ways we can scale up. Yeah, well, these they were very impressive, and their work is impressive, and I see them as just starting out. And, you know, the film is going to reveal them and maybe uh, popularize them and, and maybe give them a leg up on, on doing more and not necessarily limited to these boutique uh, crops, the value-added crops. Mm -hmm. And you also, you also covered, um, you know, what uh, Senator Dela Cruz is working on, which he's been working on. He's been a, a supporter of agriculture for a long time. Uh, can you talk about that? I think that worked out very well to try to show that the legislature is um, behind this. The legislature has plans. It may not be able to realize the plans right away, but there are people who are champions in the legislature mm -hmm. who want to see it happen. That was also a discovery. Yes, yes. So we spent time with Senator Donovan Dela Cruz, who represents, you know, central Oahu, Wahiawa, and that area. And, um, you know, he has a vision for that community. He's very much connected to it as someone who grew up there and now represents that district. And um, I mean, they're, they're definitely in the middle of it. They've been working on it for years and um, they're creating a new value added center, which will be in Wahiawa. They're trying to to get more of the um, state land, you know, into the to getting leases for farmers, getting the land to have the infrastructure needed. So it's very, multi there's a lot of parts to it. And um, I mean, the thing that was interesting to me is that like, you know, he was saying there's all of these parts and he's trying to kind of bring everyone together because there isn't an entity that does so already. So um, it's, it's a very coordinated effort that has to happen. It's not just something that Department of Agriculture can do on its own. You know, it involves them, it involves education, it involves, you know, the, the Agricultural Development Corporation and it needs leadership. So it really is like you need someone sort of bringing everyone together and managing it. And, um, you know, he kind of seems like he's stepping into that role. But, um, you know, in other communities, I don't know who who is playing that role. So. I think that goes back to the idea of, you know, coming together and kind of creating a, a holistic business plan altogether as an island and as a state. Well, I think that was a takeaway for me um, that it, it needs a business plan. It needs a statewide business plan. It needs people who are going to continue to advocate for it. Um, and it, we're talking about um, leadership. We're talking about continuing leadership. You know, I think we learned something in, in the tech experience because ultimately the tech the tech sector didn't happen. Um, and, you know, it's really too bad. It might have, but now it's kind of too late. Agriculture can still happen. We, and your film showed um, that it's, we're kind of at an inflection point. And, um, and that maybe, just maybe, this kind of, what do you call it, film rhetoric, can I say that? This kind of film rhetoric will achieve some kind of political will. And so it's important to repeat it. You know what they say in, in Rome? In Rome, they say, which means that repetition is the mother of learning. And oh, so to, nice. To, to, <laughs> I hadn't heard that one. <laughs> well, you went to Harvard. How come you didn't pick that up? I don't know. I was, you know, I was thinking necessity is the mother of invention. I don't think I've heard repetition is the mother of learning. But no, that, that makes sense. Yeah. So how, how was it? You worked on this film uh, during COVID. 
which was no small challenge. And, uh, you know, we here at ThinkTech in our ordinary shows, we learned to do everything uh, by Zoom, you know, which is very important for us and open new horizons. But you use regular cameras, which got really good production values and sound and color correction and all that. Um, and you did it in the time of COVID. Can you give us a, a little window into how you did that? Um, well, you know, I wanted the film to look its best if possible. And also, you know, I knew that since we were talking about agriculture and farming, that we could do a lot of the interviews outside so that, you know, we could work with sort of the constraints of COVID. So I thought, let's do it. But I do remember you, Jay, last year saying, oh, why don't, why don't you do them all via Zoom? And I was like, well, maybe we could try to do them in person. Um, but that said, you know, it was, it was, there were some challenges with COVID. You know, we originally wanted to um, speak with farmers and, and entrepreneurs and folks outside of Oahu. And I was talking to the folks out at Nella, Nelha and on the Big Island because there's these amazing aquaculture um, entrepreneurs and companies out there. And we were planning to film and then the Delta variant hit. So we ended up um, just filming on Oahu. But um, yeah, you know, I think documentary filmmakers were very nimble and we tend to work with very, with, you know, very lean resources and lean crews. So we we're able to get it done during the pandemic regardless. Well, but I if feel... we had if we had the time and the budget and you know travel had been more open, it would have been nice to get to Maui, get to the Big Island, get to Kauai, and sort of profile um, some of the folks there and what they're doing. Well, I, you know, if, if you had done that, who knows uh, who might be writing you today from every country in the world asking you <laughs> to <laughs> submit the film to the film <laughs> festival. Um, but you know, the film is really good. It's clearly a success. Uh, it's watchable. Um, it's educational, uh, it's, it's appealing at every level, both at the local level, at the academic level, at the scientific level, uh, at the legislative level. So you really covered all the bases and I really appreciate that. I think it worked out well and it, it, it exposes one notion I wanna run by you and that is this. Filmmakers, you know, we want the filmmaker community, especially the documentary filmmaker community uh, to blossom and flourish in this state. Why? It's because, you know, if you look at Frontline, I'm sure you do. It's a PBS mm -hmm. affair. Um, you know, they, they will take a, a, a series of events that happened fairly recently and make it into a documentary. And that way you can connect the dots. And repetition is the mother of learning. Um, and you can see all the dots all together. And now you understand the trajectory of these events. Um, so you can't do that on the six o'clock news. I'm sorry. Um, it's very hard to do it even in 30 minutes. But if you have a lot of these films and from a lot of filmmakers, not just one, um, and you keep on doing it after a while, it, it, gets, it, it permeates the thought process. It permeates the public conversation here and elsewhere. Uh, it provides a, a, a brand for us, uh, a, a profile, uh, an identity for Hawaii. And, and then people will get the idea that agriculture should be something we focus on politically, economically, fiscally, in the government and so forth. Um, so it becomes a political instrument and, it, and we should do more of it, more documentaries about more documentary subjects. Don't you agree? 
Sounds good. Sign me up. <laughs> I mean, I've already been doing that. So yeah, I, I definitely agree in the power of film. And, you know, it's not just film for film's sake, but really to, like I said, start the conversations and create change, right? The change that we want to see. So films can definitely play a role in that. And I hope it, this film will. How can we build a film sector? You know, the discussion for as long as I can remember, 20 years plus, about trying to do that. But how can we do it stepping forward? How can we build a film sector that has, uh, you know, all these important subjects um, that, that creates political will, that uh, uh, changes the nature of the state for the better? How can we well do that? I don't know. That's a big question. And like you said, we've been working on it for a while. I think the state's focus when it comes to the film industry has always been on the large productions, you know, like the big attracting Hollywood productions to town and having them come here and that, you know, will create economic impact. And that's all true. I work in a very different sector of the film industries and in documentary, and it would be great to have more funding for documentaries and more funding for, you know, more support for films like this that really speak directly to community issues and issues in Hawaii. So um, I don't know, it'd be great to have more funding, <laughs> more funding okay, for local filmmakers. Okay, well, that, that filmmakers. takes me the perfect, the perfect segue to the Spark Fund Award. Oh, okay, yes. <laughs> and we have, a, we have a photograph of that. There it is, there it is. Uh, and we've been playing it because it's very important. So yeah. uh, what, what is the Spark Fund and what is the Spark Fund Award? And how do I get one? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm honored to be a recipient of the Firelight Media Spark Fund Award. It is um, a one-time award that Firelight Media, they are a nonprofit organization based out of New York City that supports filmmakers of color, really, documentary filmmakers of color, and um, it supports them in many different ways. They have lots of different professional development programs, and um, I've I've always wanted to be part of the Firelight community, so this is a. I'm really excited to be a part of this program. But um, I um, I applied and I was selected, and um, the funding for the Spark program is actually from the National Endowment from the for the Humanities. And NEH, when you know the pandemic hit, they saw a need to support documentary filmmakers who were telling stories that were humanities based. So they gave they partnered with three film organizations. Firelight Media is one of them, the Sundance Institute is another, and ITVS, the Independent uh, Television Service, is another. And the three of them were given, you know, to, were able to distribute some monies and they each created their own program. But all of them are about supporting documentary filmmakers who have been impacted by the pandemic and who are working on humanities-based stories. Um, what's really great about the Spark Fund, though, is it's not project funding. It's really funding to support the filmmakers, so to help them cover their living expenses so they can focus on their films. Um, because it is so challenging to cobble together a living as a doc filmmaker, you end up having to teach or freelance on other projects or you know, work on commercial. And you had to do that. <laughs> I have, I have. And so in a way, having this award for a year, it's a one year, you know, award, it comes with a stipend, um, allows me to not have to take on some of those other things that I do and just really be able to focus on my films.
this year. So that's great. That's great. So, so uh, you, that would you, be great to have in the state. You know, you're asking ideas like supporting, just supporting artists, supporting storytellers. So um, they're not constantly like fundraising because, you know, I'm not, I was not trained to be a fundraiser. <laughs> I don't know that I'm very good nope, at it. Nobody in this universe was trained to be a fundraiser. <laughs> so, yeah. And it's just a matter of, you know, I mean, some, some societies are, there are societies out there that support artists more in, in the U.S. It's a little bit challenging. Well, that takes me to uh, the Cook Foundation, which uh, supported in substantial part the making of our film, uh, you know, uh, um, about agriculture. And that uh, that was very nice of them. And you got to give these local organizations um, credit for uh, putting some grant money together um, for films like this one. Um, yes. And I think I think, well, we need to shout out to them, but we need to also say that, you know, more local foundation type organizations could do this and should do this because it's yes, it's it's giving you a life, you know, where you don't have to, you know, hurry for the money, hustle for the money. Um, and it's also uh, encouraging documentary films about issues that are important to our state and thus having an effect on public policy. And so there are at least two reasons why <laughs> a local organization such as Cook Foundation um, should give grants for films um, like uh, uh, like this one. Yes, I agree. And there are you know local foundations that do like Cook Foundation, and we're, I'm very grateful to them for funding this project and to the others that do support local filmmakers and projects here. So, but yeah, we would be great to have more. Let's talk also about um, uh, another possibility for you, and it is the um, Shifting Voices Film Fund. Um, what is that, and what has it got to do with you and, and Hawaii? Um, well, it, I guess it has to do with Hawaii because I'm one of the semifinalists for this uh, grant and it's an initiative, another funding initiative that is um, being spearheaded by Chicago Media Project and the Mezcla Collective and they're both based out of Chicago and um, they're looking to support uh, BIPOC stories, uh, so stories and filmmakers about um, Black, Indigenous, people of color uh, looking to, you know, I think right now in our industry as well as across the nation, there's a lot more attention to diversity and inclusion and storytellers from marginalized communities. So they've been trying to support filmmakers who are telling stories from these kind of communities. And um, yeah, so I, I applied uh, for project funding and I was one of the, I'm one of the semifinalists. So I had to do a pitch recently online. And then if I make it to the finals, I'll have a chance to go to Chicago to pitch the project in front of industry decision makers and financiers so we'll see but i mean there were a lot of great projects it's it's hard it's it's so hard because you feel like you know there's so many all of those films are worthy of being made and having support and in a way we're all sort of competing against one another and um you know but that's that's sort of life that's how capitalism is set up right that's <laughs> all a competition well but profits um, are part of capitalism and uh, filmmakers are part of capitalism too <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's the reality. But um, yeah, so I'm hoping that, you know, I'll find out late at the end of the month whether or not I've advanced. But even uh, if I haven't, it was great honor to be make it to the semifinals. Absolutely. It's a great honor. And so I, I hope you let us know how it goes and we can have a further discussion about that, you know. 
Sure. Uh, you're on. You're on a roll, Kimberly. Uh, so <laughs> let, let's go back to um, let's go back to um, you know Patsy Mink, because Patsy Mink was a film you did that had a certain amount of notoriety, uh, and uh, it, it was a very you know, it, the film was very well received. Can you talk about why you did that film and how you did that film and, and what happened with that film? Sure. So that was my first film really out of graduate school. And it was a historical biography about the late Congresswoman Patsy Mink from Hawaii. She was our longtime Congresswoman for many, many years. She served 24 years total in the US Congress um, and also served in the territorial house and Senate and um, whatnot. But um, I, I was really interested in telling her story because I recall when she passed away, like that's when I learned about her story and the fact that she was such a trailblazer. You know, she was the very first woman of color to serve in the US Congress. And she also was the co-author of Title IX, which is a landmark gender equity legislation that really opened up the doors to education for America's women. Um, a lot of people think of Title IX in relationship to athletics, but it was really about academics um, and education as a whole. So, I mean, when I heard that Patsy was involved in, in Title IX, not just involved, she was the driving force behind it and that she was, you know, know, a trailblazer. I was just so fascinated personally by her story that um, I thought somebody should do a film about her. And then it was a couple years later that I came home and I was thinking of what I wanted to do my first project on. And I kept coming back to her story. I mean, I want to do say that it's also, you know, that was so I started on the film in 2004. So this was sort of on the heels of, you know, things going on politically with like Bush v. Gore and whatnot. And what I saw in Patsy too was that she was sort of, um, I was sort of figuring out my own political identity. And I really just admired the kind of politician she was where she was really seemed to be a, a true servant of the people really about the work that she was doing. Um, so yeah, for so many reasons, I, I wanted to do the film, I do a film on her. So yeah, that film took four years and um, it was released in 2008. So it is now 14 years old, wow, but wow. Um, it's fun because I'm still getting requests and especially this year because it is the 50th anniversary of Title IX. So I think more people are discovering her story and her involvement in Title IX. And I think that's really great for all of us, but especially here in Hawaii, because we should really, you know, feel proud that she came here. And I think Hawaii made her who she was. I mean, especially Maui. She was a Maui girl. And that was so much of who who she was and how she saw the world. So well, it's part of it's part of that documentary genre where you celebrate a successful public official. Um, and I think she was a successful public official. She did a lot in Washington. She did a lot for Hawaii, did a lot for women. Um, and it was, it was a worthy celebration. Um, it's historic. It's like the, the Burns approach to history, right? Um, mm. and, I, and I think that film has a certain, you know, to me, a certain connection with the Burns approach. And um, good for you to do something historic that actually brings Hawaii together behind an important public official who did um, achieve a lot of things. And I suppose there's, there's more in the wings there. I mean, for example, Dan Inouye, uh, that could be a great film about, you know, a guy who did a lot for Hawaii. 
somebody will do that. Who knows who will yeah, do that? Yeah, there, there actually well. was a documentary about him, but I'm sure there could be another and I'm sure there might be another Patsy Mink film, right? Like these are these are significant historical figures now and they deserve, you know, much attention. So in the remaining minutes, I have a couple of other questions I want to put to you. Number one is, um, uh, gee whiz, uh, you have these various uh, genres and looking forward, I'm sure that you think about this all the time. What is going to be your main your main track? Are you going to be doing the, the Burns uh, thing, historic figures, historic things about Hawaii? Are you going to be doing, you know, the, uh, the the thing about the economy, the thing about a current examination, examination of how we're doing right now, maybe with a glimpse into the future uh, to suggest ways we should improve ourselves? Uh, are you going to be doing more activist type of films? May I say that? May I say that um, into the future? What, what's your what's your trajectory, Kim? Or have you not decided yet? Um, I can't see into the future, but I find that I am, have done a lot of different kinds of films and sort of after I do a historical film for a while, I just want to do a very contemporary, what we call verite film where you're following someone, you know, contemporary. Um, and then after I do that, I feel like I want to go back to history. So I have interests all over there. And um, I don't know, I, I think, I mean, I'm working on a few right now and they also, um, are, are a diverse uh, group of films, so we'll see. Okay, yes, we'll see. Now, yeah, now <laughs> it's a non-committal answer for you. <laughs> I think you know. I keep it all open. I don't. I don't think I. I just want to do one genre. I think, and it also helps you grow as a filmmaker too. To sort of expand what you do and then also keeps things interesting. I mean, one reason I went into film too is I wanted every day to be different. And I wanted, you know, to be able to do lots of different things. I feel like with film, I use right brain and left brain, right? It's creative, but yet you have to raise money. You have to keep track of budgets. It's organizational. Um, so it's very, very varied. So if we take just looking at scaling up the agriculture film you just finished then, the one we worked on together, and um, I'm happy about that because I, you were great to work with. We, we talked a lot, we shared ideas, and you were very interested and respectful of the ideas that we shared. Um, and so it was it was really all in all a, a great experience. But query, you know, what did you learn from that as a filmmaker? What did you, you know, aside from what you might have learned about the individuals you talked with, the issues you covered, of course. Um, but what did you learn as a filmmaker from that particular experience? Hmm, that is a good question. Um, I mean, I think it it reminded me that I can um, film and edit because for that film, you know, I, I we had a cinematographer, but there were a couple of shoots she couldn't make, so I ended up having to film and do the interview, um, and then I edited it. And then we, we, you know, outsource the finishing, but uh, some of my other projects, you know, I usually when have a, a bigger budget, um, try and work with others. And so it was kind of nice to um, do it, to be hands on on <laughs> all parts. I mean, there's drawbacks to it, but I think that gave me confidence again that, you know, I can produce, write, direct and edit if I need to. Well, I'm always uh, appreciative of Robert Pennybacker at PBS who who put us together originally. I didn't know you, and now I, I feel uh, that was a great gift that he gave us to introduce yeah, us to you. Yeah, shout out to Robert. 
So uh, now I have my favorite question to ask you, Kitty. Can you handle it? Um, <clears throat> what's your favorite film of all these films that you've made? Oh, gosh. Well, you know, I don't... <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm besides this one, I'm actually finishing up a short documentary about Honolulu Chinatown. Oh, yeah. And and that one's a little different because I'm in it. Um, I'm not on camera, but I narrate it. And so it's a little bit more of a personal take because my family has connections to Chinatown. I'm half Chinese. Um, and in the film, you know, it's really it's looking at Chinatown today during the COVID pandemic and 122 years ago during the bubonic plague and looking at the parallels of how public health crises have impacted this iconic neighborhood and have you know sparked fear and racism. Um, but I, I tell the story through, through me and through some of the folks who are in Chinatown now, but also through um, some of the things I found about my great grandfather who lived through that bubonic plague and the fire that happened. So it's a little bit kind of like my love letter to Chinatown. And um, I, I feel very connected to it because I'm, you know, in a way, I'm, I'm more connected to it than I guess any of the other films I've done. Right. Like I didn't know Patsy Mink, but I, I got to know her family through it. And I didn't know much about farming. A lot of the other films I had to learn about and doing them. And this was one that was very close to home. So I guess if you are going to make me choose one of my films to highlight, <laughs> I might say it's that one. But that one, it's not done yet. It's it's almost there. So that will be that'll be the next film to come out after scaling up is okay, my we, Chinatown. We have to cover it. And I can't wait to see it. I, I feel also strongly, I am not Chinese, I want to reassure you, but I, I may convert one day. Okay. Uh, in any event, I, I have a, a special affinity for Chinatown, and I will I will look forward to seeing that. Okay, film. we should have another conversation about that one. I touch a little bit on some of the contemporary issues, like the crime and homelessness, but that's not the focus of the film. It's really sort of, um, yeah, kind of, I really wanted to just focus on what makes our Chinatown special. So. Yeah, oh, that's great. A great subject, and you're the person. Well, thank you very much, uh, Kimberly Basford, our filmmaker uh, for Scaling Up Hawaii's Food Future, which has uh, just premiering at... Uh, HIF, and which is going to be on PBS in, uh, in May. May 19th, Jay. And at HIF, it's, um, it's a screening online April 15th through the 24th. Okay. So. Thank you very much, Kim. Thank you. Thank for you. Thank you, Jay. Talk soon. Aloha. Okay. Bye. Thank you so much for watching Think Tech Hawaii. If you like what we do, please like us and click the subscribe button on YouTube and the follow button on Vimeo. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn, and donate to us at thinktechhawaii.com. Mahalo.